Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the eight. We are here on our final uh, part of our series here, uh, Suit Up. So we're happy that you took some time this morning to either join us here live uh, at St. Mark Church online or uh, listening to the recording down the line. So yesterday was uh, my first time throughout this uh, quarantine of the coronavirus of my wife to go to Costco. Uh, so like we said, okay, it's just one or the other, we divide and conquer. So she went and she went to Costco and, and she had to suit up. She had to suit up appropriately in order to make sure that we got food and we don't starve to death. There's nothing in this world that you can do and, unless you prepare yourself and suit up in order to reach success. So she got the mask, you know, and the hand sanitizer, all all that good stuff, and, and wipes and whatever, all, all that good stuff in order to make sure that she gets food. Okay, it's, but just like anything in this world, you got to suit up in order to get what you want. I have to suit up in order to reach success or victory in this world. We've been talking about putting on divine armor for the invisible battles that surround us. And I want to make something clear. I want to start off with this uh, for our last talk here of this series. Sometimes we think of monks and the saints and the martyrs, you know, the Christian heroes from the past. We look at them and we think that, man, they had life all together. They just, you know, just were always like living a perfect life and always with God and never had any struggle. But they had serious battles in this world, and uh, uh, battles of, of, from the devil, them, of the devil wanting to pull them down. And, and they were just in captivity in their mind and their heart of, of, of the devil wanting to pull them or stray them away from God. I want to show one clip that is something I came across recently written by an early Christian monk. His name is Saint Macarius, Saint Macarius. So he was a uh, Coptic Egyptian monk uh, from the fourth century. And this monk is honored in all Orthodox churches till today and in the Catholic Church, just to show his profound wisdom and uh, of his writings and his meditations of the battles that he had to go through in order to embrace the love of God. Listen to these beautiful words that St. Macarius said in the fourth century. The heart itself is but a small vessel, yet there also are dragons and there are lions. There are poisonous beasts and all the treasures of evil. And there are rough and uneven roads. But there is also God, also the angels, the life and the kingdom, the light and the apostles, the treasures of grace. There are all things. In our heart, our both, is darkness and life. Like there's always this struggle. Like that's when somebody says, oh, like he has a good heart. She has a good heart. Yeah, but let's face it. Like inside our heart is selfishness as well. Inside our heart is pride. Like we always want to do the good thing. And then we say, yeah, the person has a good heart. Yeah, but inside all of us, th there's darkness, okay? There, there's pride. There's, I want to do what's best for me. There's issues. There, there, there's insecurity. There's, there's struggles inside my heart as well. And there's, there's tug of war of both inside of me. This is why one of my favorite parts of the Bible is 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 Saint Paul, a great missionary, uh, when he was saying like something that we can all relate to, that he was saying, I'm paraphrasing here, but Saint Paul said like the thing I want to do, I just can't do. Like he wants to do the right thing, but there's something inside of him that's pulling at him. So the struggle is real. The struggle is real. So within our heart, there's this there's this there's this there's this fight within us. We want to do the right thing. Like as as Saint Macarius says, there's dragons, there's lions, but there's also God. There's also His love within us, and both of them are pulling at each other at all time. 
This is why we have to suit up to fight these battles in this world. Because when we overcome these battles and we suit up appropriately, man, this is where we find life. This is where we find rest. And who wouldn't want to be better at life by equipping themselves appropriately to win these battles around us? Going back to St. Paul, he wanted to give it an imagery to make sure that the people of Ephesus 2,000 years ago understood how they should fight um, in the battles of this world that are always pulling us down. So he gave them an analogy, and, he, and, we, and, and this has been our highlighted passage throughout this series. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil so you can be able to stand against the deceiving strategy of the devil. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all the description, with all the elaboration, with all the analogy, and, 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 and St. Paul painting this picture of how we need to equip ourselves to, to, to fight the, the battles that go in within us and in our world, to fight the, the battles in our marriage and, and, and at work or even at home right now, like to, to, to fight some of those battles. He, he gives all these details. But then for the last part where he says to, to, to take up the sword of the Spirit. This is the only part of, of this armor that St. Paul describes where this is the only one where he clearly says what it is. Like he's using a, a, a metaphors or analogies on the other parts. And then he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Out of everything else on that's equipment to fight that, that St. Paul is painting a picture of, like he's, this is the only thing that is of offense. Like having a helmet to protect myself is for defense. A breastplate, that's for defense. Like to make sure my feet are covered, that's defense. But the thing that he ends up or he wraps up this passage with is having something for offense, something to fight against for me to move forward with. This is an offensive weapon. He's making it clear that my, my, my posture at, when I'm fighting, it's not this, this is, but my, my posture needs to be holding the word of God. It's to make sure that I'm holding the sword of the spirit. So historically, what St. Paul's painting has, he's painting a picture now of this Roman soldier to, for the people to understand. He's talking about not like a super long uh, sword. He's talking about an 18-inch uh, double-edged uh, sword. It's a, like a dagger. Uh, and this was lethal. And this thing was lethal. So he's talking about that uh, as far as for us to suit up appropriately. Before you like kind of like fast forward through this and you feel like, oh yes, I need to read the Bible, I need the word of God. Okay, just, just kind of bear with me for one second, okay? I, I don't want us to just jump into that right now. When we hear the word of God, some of us kind of go one ear and out the other. Yes, I know the word of God, we need to listen, blah, blah, blah. I need to read my Bible more. But before you jump into that, I want us to kind of like expand upon that, okay? Let's expand upon when we say, what is the word of God? What is this divine narrative? What is this love story? What is this timeless love story of manuscripts, a collection of manuscripts that have poetry, that have, that have historical records, that have such a wide array of different styles of writing that has given life to millions of people? What is that? This is what I want us to look into. So the first part I want to, I want to say when we, when we hear or say the word of God, there are three Greek words 
Just like the word love, we say love, but in Greek, there's five different descriptions of what love is. When we say word of God, we kind of like, use it for everything. Uh, we say, yeah, this is the word of God, word of God, word of God. But in Greek, there's, a, 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 there's different um, descriptions of what that is. So if you, if you will, like, there's level one of, of, of scripture or the word of God, which is known as graphe. Graphe, this is like the text of, 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 of the word of God, okay? This is like the Bible, okay? Like I have one like um, book here called The Story. This is kind of like a, a, an easier description of the Bible. So I can say, yeah, this is just text, okay? This is graphe, this is just, this is just text. This is why in Christianity and every tradition of Christianity throughout the centuries, we don't make a big deal about like the text, the, the paper itself, okay? This is just paper, okay? Like we don't make a big deal. Yes, we, we honor it, we venerate it because this in, in the text is life. But we read it from an iPad, we read it from an iPad. If we're reading it from uh, in my Bible app, I read it from my Bible app. If you, we, we don't make a big deal about the actual text itself. Some other uh, faiths or some other religions make a big deal about like the, the paper itself. And I'll tell you why we don't make a big deal about the paper itself. Still, we honor what's on the paper, but not the actual paper or the, or the, the writing itself. But the, 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 when we say word of God, like the preliminary uh, stage of that is graphe, which is just like the text itself. The next thing or the next level of the word of God is logos, the word logos, which is the message of the graphe. Logos is the message of the graphe. Like if I'm, you know, installing uh, Ikea furniture, like my bookshelf thing here is from Ikea. Like if I read the thing that says, you know, take, you know, part, whatever, and do this. If I'm just reading it, that's graphe. That's just text. Okay, that's good that I need to have this part connected to that part and screw this part. That's just graphe. That's just text. But now the, the logos is the message of the graphe. Okay, wh what is it trying to tell me to do? What, what's the, it, it's trying to connect the dots. It's the bridge now. The, the, so the Greek word is logos which is the message of the graphe. So the word logos itself, by the way, is from Jewish philosophy. Like this word has existed before the Bible because it's such a heavy word. Like it, 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 it has, it, it, you can expand upon the word logos in so many ways because it's such a philosophical word, but it's, it's describing the message of the text of the Bible. So uh, this is why so many early Christian uh, writers, one of them was St. Jerome, from the fourth century when he was translating the Bible. St. Jerome struggled. He says, I can't, like, he says, if I'm translating it, I, I, I gotta keep the word logos because the word is so meaty. Like, I can't just put, like, word. I gotta put something else. I, I, I gotta maintain the word logos. This is why in ancient Christianity, there's tons of words where we have kept the original Greek because we're unable to capture it in, 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 in an equivalent of just one English word. This is why we say pantocrator or agios. There's so many words that we say that are just so heavy in Greek that we maintain the essence of the Greek word by just putting the Greek there as opposed to just equivalent of an English word. This is why. This is why. A first eyewitness of Jesus, St. John the Apostle, when he wrote his record, when he wrote his personal experience and encounter with the living God, when he experienced Jesus, who he thought for quite some time was just a nice guy, just a rabbi. But then when his life was transformed, when he was coming near the end of his life, when St. John took some time to write down his experience with Jesus, the very first thing he said, he didn't begin with once upon a time, you know, Jesus was born. No, he didn't, he didn't start with that. 
He started with such a profound opening statement for his manuscript, which we now know as being the gospel according to St. John. This is how St. John began. In the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Like, he's, like here, this is a Jewish man. Like, capturing what he understood from philosophy. And he says, the, 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 the Word, the message of, what, of, of who an, uh, the uncreated God is. This is him. Like, this is the icon of God. Like, this is God with skin on him. This is divinity and humanity and one. And, and he's always been with God. And he is God. He is the divine. So when we say the word of God, we're talking about the person himself. We're talking about the logos, which is the message of the graphic, which is the message of the text. So throughout, throughout the entire graphic, throughout the entire text of the Bible, I find the logos. I find the word. I find the message of the graphic, which is the person of Jesus. So the word logos you find 316 times in the Bible. A third level of when we say the word of God is the part which we need to focus on is rema or rima, depending on how you pronounce it. This is the application of the logos. So rima is the application of the logos. So there is text, there's this graphe, then there's what's the message of it, saying, okay, what's the meaning of, of what I'm reading? That's the logos. And then the third level is rima or rema. This is now the application of the Logos himself. This is written 67 times uh, in Greek. Someone, uh, someone told me, I think it was about last year, uh, just, you know, Father Nathaniel, I, I don't like your sermons. You know, I said, okay, you know, I appreciate your honesty. Like, I need to improve. Tell me why. And this person told me, I don't like listening to your sermons because when I hear it, I feel like you're talking directly uh, to me. You're, 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 you're kind of pricking my conscience. You're, you're, you're wanting me to change something about my life. And I say, mission accomplished. But it, it's not my words. It's not my words. But this is the work of not just the graphe, not just the, the logos, but now the logos penetrating inside that person, of wanting to transform this person. This is the experience of everyone whose life has been rocked when they followed the God-man Jesus, their life was never the same because they were convicted. There was something itching inside of them for them to change, for them to transform, for them to kind of just shift the way they do life in a different direction. And they found new life. They found liberty when they took that, 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 that change, when they applied the logos, when they applied Rima, when they applied Rima to their life, their life was never the same. So now when I'm, when I'm reading this love story, when I'm reading the narrative of the Bible, when I'm reading this, now, which is the Bible, by the way, just is, is one book, which is a collection of books within it. So when I'm reading it, the goal is not just to read text, okay, not graphe. The goal is not just to say, okay, yeah, this is, the, this is the, the message of it. Now I need to apply it. I need to act upon it. This is why in every liturgical service in the Orthodox faith, when we read the gospel, we make sure that we pray, say, Lord, we want to make sure that we not only hear it, we want to make sure that we act upon this word. That, that's the rima. That's the application of the logos himself. One way and one analogy that I came across to explain this is we're saying the logos is like a well of water. Like the logos is the well of water. And the rima is how I apply it to my life, is a bowl that I take from the well. So I can say the logos is, is just this huge well. 
Now for me to apply it, I need to take a bowl. I need to take Rima. That's the application of Jesus. Now I know who Jesus is. Now I know what the word is. Now I need to apply it to my life. So the well is, is Logos, is level two, and level three is Rima. It's me taking a cup or a bowl to drink from the well. Just to show you a couple of parts in the love story, the narrative of the Bible, just to show you a couple of examples of, of how Rima looks like when we read the word of God in English. John chapter six, going back to this first eyewitness. St. John says this, or this is, what, this is him writing down, recording what Jesus said. Jesus said this, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Saying the words that I'm speaking to you, this is life. This is where you find your identity. When you apply these words, when you apply and you allow it to convict you, you allow it to work within you, when you allow it to kind of sit inside your inner being and work within you, and, and that pricks your conscience to kind of change things, this is where you find life. So Jesus made that clear, that word of God, not just at elementary level, not just at level one, but he's talking about level three. This is Rima. Another example. One of the disciples of Jesus, his name was St. Peter. He had a, 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 an unbelievable experience with Jesus. Like he was kind of always on the forefront, right next to Jesus, uh, being very verbal many of the times. Uh, and, and near the end of, of Jesus' life, Peter had some, some doubts and things and kind, of, and, and kind of stepped away from Jesus. But then Jesus kind of called him out and listened to this encounter of, of how the word of God convicted St. Peter near the end. We read this in, in Mark chapter 14. A second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. When Peter recalled the life of Jesus, when he recalled what Jesus told him, it led to an emotion. It led to a change. It led to a transformation. This is the application of the Logos. So if we take even just the two verses that we just read, if I, if I apply the word of God, there's new life, as, as Jesus said. And an example of that is how Peter applied it. When he, when he was reminded, when, when the word of God was working within his heart, when it was turning inside of him, it led to him to weep. It led to a life change. This is the application of the Logos. Now, this we're, like this, we're live here in, in, in April 2020. We're about to begin Holy Week. And this uh, Holy Week, this year, 2020, God willing, will never happen like this again, which we will be celebrating Holy Week from our homes. And we'll be doing a lot of reading, okay? Like we're gonna be doing a lot of reading from home and if, like if down the line, anytime. I should apply this all the time, but I wanna pinpoint and laser focus on what's coming up here Holy Week in 2020. We're going to be reading a lot from the love story, from the narrative of the Bible. And it's easy to kind of just like passively read. It's easy to kind of just look at text. It's easy just to kind of step at level one of graphing. But I want us to push ourselves to look at the application. How is this to, going to give me life? If I'm walking for the last eight days of Jesus's life, if I'm walking through every step that he did and I'm reading this narrative of who this God man is, if I'm reading the narrative of who he is, and how he has come to give me life, the fullness of life. I want to, to, to not only read it, I want to apply it. 
I want to act upon it. So let this be our lens. Let this be the focal point of how we read it. Not just from a historical perspective. Yes, that's important. Not just to, 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 to just look at text. Yes, it was important. But I want us to look further. I want us to apply it. If I look at the manual of how to build this IKEA furniture, and I just look at it, okay, great. But I want to apply it. When I apply it, I build a bookshelf. When I apply the love story, when I apply the narrative of who Jesus is, who the Logos is, this is where I'll find new life. I want to end this series with a prayer, which is a foundation to our pre-denominational faith and a foundation specifically to the Coptic Orthodox Church. We pray the prayer of thanksgiving and we end it with these words. All envy, all temptation, all the work of Satan, the counsel of wicked men, and the rising up of enemies, hidden and manifest. Lord, take them away from us and from all your people and from this holy place that is yours. All working of darkness, Lord, take away from us and from all of humanity and from this place where I am, take it away. But those things which are good and profitable, those things which are edifying, those things that lead to life, those things which are good and profitable, do provide for us. For it is you who has given us the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy. Lord, it is you who has given us the authority to, to, to suit up and to fight these invisible battles. You have equipped us to find victory, but we need to apply it not just in a passive way, not just kind of reading text, but if I build into the rhythm of life and build into the routine of abiding in your word, abiding in the logos, if I, if I build that into my daily morning routine, this is where I will find life. This is where I will find rest. This is how I can suit up to fight the, the hardships that come in, in the world now through the quarantine or to fight the, the, the battles that go on in my head that want to pull me apart, the, the battles in my marriage, the battle of my relationships, the battle of my family. I can, I can fight that because I have been equipped and I have the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Let us bow our heads and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you have equipped us to find new life. You have equipped us with more than we realize or more than what we embrace. Lord, we don't want these words, we don't want these series, this series just to be theoretical of how uh, you know we need to, to suit up, but we want this to be tangible. We want this to be a reality in our lives. If we embrace who the enemy is, if we embrace how the enemy is wanting to pull us down, this is where we need to lean more towards you and find new life and equip ourselves with your sword, which is the spirit, which is the word of God. We want to, to continue to remind ourselves of what is truth and not to be swayed left and right by relativism, but we want to know that you are the absolute because in you is where I find victory. This is where I can become a conqueror because you have given me the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of darkness. Through the prayers of St. John the Apostle and St. Paul and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys for hearing or watching this. I uh, hope to see everyone soon in person, uh, sooner than later. Take care.